Welcome into the Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast. I am Jake Shapiro. We've got Chase Hall and Vinay Simlot with me. It's been a week since we talked to you, and in that week, we all had Thanksgiving. But more importantly, the most important, the Colorado Buffs, Buffaloes on the basketball court got two wins. And they are back in action. Uh, they're fighting some COVID troubles right now because it's 2020 and nothing can be just good all, all around. There needs to be some sort of uh, negative attached to your positive. But uh, it was a good trip to Kansas for the boys. They thought they fought through some some real bad COVID issues uh, with the guys on their court. They faced some adversity with what was actually going on in the games. Uh, and then their game, which would have been on Wednesday, was canceled. And now they're still playing tomorrow on Saturday against Washington State. So uh, if anyone wants to just recap where we at in the, are, are, are at in this whirlwind of a basketball season already, because me, the beat writer for Buff Stampede, is just completely lost already. Uh, I am having trouble seeing the forest through the trees because I am just looking at one tree at a time. Well, I haven't gotten to hear you do play-by-play in a while, so I can't stop thinking about Colorado Buffalo. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I guess I'll try to recap the first two games a little bit. Uh, first one didn't really have much, like, a note happen in that game besides McKinley Wright is just really good at basketball. Uh, he had 19 points, which felt like, in, what, the first half um, or close to it, and then he didn't do – too much in the second half, but he didn't need to. Second game was definitely a little bit more interesting. Uh, they struggled out of the gate. It was a little bit scary for a bit. Um, I, I wasn't the CU Buffs team that we were used to. It we thought it might be. And weak. when you say scary for a bit, you mean that you had the Buffs covering, so it was scary for you. Wow, well, you, you know I'm uh, ethical. <laughs> he doesn't bet on. I don't bet on you. I don't know what you're talking about. I had um, I had a lot of text messages from people saying I thought you said pound the cover at half, and I was like, just wait, just wait, yeah, just wait, just have some patience. Because <laughs> um, yeah, anybody that that had the buffs in that first half was definitely pretty worried. Uh, but they figured it out. McKinley Wright became McKinley Wright, and that just seems to be the story of the first two games. Yeah, uh, same same thing for me. I loved Jariah Horn. Um, I think he can be a good contributor for the Buffs. Um, and and I was just really impressed with the young guys that got a chance to play. Um, yeah, Jabari Walker. Yeah, Jabari Walker was outstanding, I thought. A hustle player. Yeah, we're, we're five minutes into this podcast. We haven't mentioned his name. That's too late because he was really good in those first two games. So I'll take off from there. Jabari Walker is already someone that I love. He is somebody to me that looks like uh, a combination of Xavier Johnson in a positive way. Xavier Johnson was a thousand point scorer at Colorado. He's a hell of a wing player for the Buffaloes. Of course, the last parts of his career and maybe some of the off the court stuff wasn't the best. But, you know, early on in his career, Xavier Johnson looked like he was going to be a terrific player for Colorado. And that's what Jabari Walker reminds me of on uh, is the early on Xavier Johnson that just got you all that hype and feeling inside. But Walker looks like he can pound the boards even maybe a little bit better than Johnson. And people forget that Johnson was a really good rebounder. Um, he seems to fit that perfect power forward role in college, which actually ends up being a small forward in the NBA, which is um, this kind of combination between a guard forward, big, and Walker seems to be able to do all those things. And boy, I'm just so excited for the future of him because he had this one cut 
Um, and, and it seems weird to be the guy that's like, oh my God, he had this one cut. It showed everything, but I'm that guy right now. Evan Batty was on a post up off the uh, strong side, uh, far side of the formation on the block. And Walker cut in from the three-point line because he saw his man just look towards, you know, the the strong side of the court, which is a very normal thing for defender to do. As soon as Walker saw that, he cut. Batty, as I've been saying for years, is a great post passer, found him, and one play at the rim uh, with a layup with the left hand. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like the basketball IQ from both of those guys there, you knew Evan had it. Like Evan's a great dude, smart dude. But just from, from that, from a true freshman in second game, I'm like, all right, now when you talk about the son of an NBA player, that's what you mean. The IQ is there. Tad Boyles talked about it in terms of like what he can do and his awareness. And it's not a matter of if, but when Jabari Walker is going to be a great player. He argues like a good player is what Tad's saying. So uh, T- Tad's going to tell you how it is. He always is. And the fact that after two college games, Jabari Walker in Tad Boyle's mind is like, yeah, that's going to be a great player at the University of Colorado. Holy shit. Like, okay. I'm, fu- I'm like, let's get the Jabari Walker heart hype train going. Like, let's go. Let's go. I, I honestly get goosebumps with you talking about him. And it does sound weird to call out a cut, but it's that basketball IQ thing. It's something that we don't see from a lot of true freshmen especially at Colorado because they're not asked to play very big roles, maybe outside of like a McKinley Ryder, Tyler Bay a few years ago. Um, but yeah, he seems to have everything you want in a forward. He's able to rebound. He's been ferocious on the offensive glass. I don't know what his offensive rebound numbers are, but it just seems like he's, he's been pulling a few big ones down. And then like you said, he's just been really smart and I like everything about him. Uh, we haven't seen him shoot the ball great yet. I think he did a little bit in the opener, um, but that will come along. Uh, he's very nice stroke. I always thought that even when they were recruiting him, and yeah, there's just there's really nothing I don't like about Jabari Walker. I mean, he's the perfect size too. He's six eight, whatever. Uh, he brings a ton of energy. So uh, you know, Tad Boyle said he had some stuff to clean up in terms of positional stuff and just freshman so I just I don't have anything negative to say after two games in his freshman career uh so that I think that was the number one positive of the trip to Manhattan the number two being McKinley Wright seems to have taken that step from going from really good great player to all right this might be the best point guard in the country especially after looking at other point guards that he's compared to in the country for the last two weeks (laughs) Remy Um, uh, Remy Martin uh McKinley seems to just be at a phenomenal level right now. Um, you know, you talk about that first game. It was really fun to, to watch because McKinley took over in the first half. Game was over. He just sat back in the second half and Keyshawn Bartholomew ran CU's offense. And it was nice. There, there wasn't really that much of a level off. Uh, yeah, it was South Dakota, but the Buffs still won the second half with Keyshawn Bartholomew generally playing in the point guard. So that was cool to see. I liked what I saw out of Keyshawn Bartholomew. He like I said, uh, is really good on the fast break. He made this one bounce pass to, uh, to Eli Parquet for a pull-up three off the left side uh, on the wing. That was a beautiful pass. Great awareness of the trailers and what was going on in front of him on the fast break. Uh, eventually, that's going to come in the half court for Bartholomew as well. But that, that was just great to see because it's some of the stuff we talked about. But the second game, then McKinley Wright follows up with the buffs down, literally punched in the mouth, like I wrote on Buff Stampede, uh, comes back and just leads an unbelievable comeback for the Buffaloes. I guess it shouldn't be unbelievable. The buffs have done that, I think, 15 times under McKinley, come back from down a dozen. Uh, but that's just not normal. 
Uh, and, and Ken does absolutely everything in that game, rebound, assists, steals, uh, shoots well. And he looked like legitimately one of the top three players in the country. Like I've watched college basketball almost nonstop in my apartment for the last two weeks. Uh, cause there's not any other sports going on besides soccer. And I have yet to see a better two game performance than the two games out of McKinley. Right. I agree. Go ahead, it's Chase. Such a sense of comfort when you have a guy like that. And we've seen him make those double-digit comebacks before that. When you do get down double digits in the first half, you're not too worried um, because you know that if McKinley gets going, this game's going to change. And to me, the, the, the second game against Kansas State, I never really felt like the Buffs were, were, were down or were out of it because – you you get the sense whenever McKinley writes on the floor that he's just going to take over, that when he decides to turn it on, he's going to make a big run for the buffs and take over the game. And and he did uh, with, uh, what was it, 24 points in that game. My issue, though, is that when Keyshawn Bartholomew was out against Kansas State, there was no one that could run the offense with McKinley off the floor. And they really looked lethargic when McKinley Wright wasn't there playing and if if Keyshawn Bartholomew is out for an extended period of time that's going to be a problem for them he was out due to COVID tracing we don't even know if he tested positive but you're right like the Buffs don't have a backup point guard if it's not Keyshawn Bartholomew it's it's Keyshawn or or bust and we saw even Maddox Daniels uh running the point at one point for about three possessions for the Buffaloes uh that was that was not good. Uh, I I like him as a shooter. I like him as you know what I actually like some of the stuff he's brought defensively. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought I thought to, yeah defensively he looks much improved. And when Tad Boyle talks about improvements and hustle and all this you know jargon that he was throwing out in the preseason, uh, that's what he's talking about. Daniels does look improved defensively. The issue is he's out there to shoot. And I can't have my shooter going three for 15 on the trip or whatever he did from three point. Land. It was, it was pretty bad. Uh, and part of that is the decision-making like, you know, this is why he's not playing point guard. He's not a great decision-maker. Uh, he is jacking up shots that he probably should not take sometimes. And I think just generally when some of the younger guys step up and the bigs kind of get comfortable, which we're going to talk about in a second. And when Deshaun Schwartz is there, there's going to be less shots to go around, meaning Desha- uh, Deshaun, or, uh, sorry, Maddox Daniels is not going to be have this plethora of options when it comes to shots. He's going to be limited to catch and shoots, and that's only going to benefit both Maddox Daniels and the Buffaloes. Yeah, that's the thing. And you watch a team like Kentucky the other night, and they can't hit a three to save their life. Um, but it's mostly a bunch of young guys that really don't understand shot selection right now. Um, and when you put a senior out there, you'd expect him to have a little bit of a better idea of when, what is a good shot and what is a bad shot. And it just didn't seem like in those first two games um, that Maddox understands what's a good shot and what's a bad shot. And, and like a guy like Shane Gadling last year, when he was hot, he, he would shoot those types of shots. He would put up the ones um, that you don't really want him to, but he would end up making them. But when he was cold, he would just completely disappear. And sometimes that's okay. Um, you don't have to force it. Just let the shots come to you, and you're going to start making them. Maddox is a good enough shooter that he's going to start making them. Stan Van Gundy's analysis of heat checks is hilarious, by the way, if you ever heard it, where it's just like, you're a shooter. You've been taking good shots, so you got hot. So you're going to take a bad one? What is that? <laughs> Go well, ahead, Vinay. Yeah. 
I, I, well, they say that the only way to get out of being a um, get out of a shooting slump is to keep shooting. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was trying to get out of that by by shooting. But also to your point, Jake, he's had to um, take carry a lot of that three point shooting load for Colorado with Deshaun Schwartz out, um, and 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 Jariah Horn has stepped up to be a good three point shooter too. So maybe that'll take a little pressure off of him, and we'll see how that goes. But overall. I don't think um, Maddox had a bad um, two game two game um, set over uh, in Kansas State uh, in Manhattan. While I'm talking, where would you guys rank? Just put with your fingers up, Deshaun Schwartz, where he is in terms of best player at Colorado. Because for them to be missing him, put put your fingers up. For me, it's number two. So it's you're three, three, Chase. What are you three? I'm like okay. Two and a half. I don't know. Okay. So my point is the Buffaloes were missing either their second or third best player on this trip. And it was barely noticeable. That depth is unbelievable. Uh, we don't even really know what Jabari Walker and Deshaun or, or, and uh, uh, what Dry Horn's roles are going to be and what they actually look like in the rotation or even Maddox Daniels, because he's probably going to be coming off the bench. So for the Buffaloes, to go in there and cover and win and win very, um, very well and with a very positive reaction in both of those games, I think says a lot because they were missing their second to third best player. And in that first game, they did not know that until about three to four hours before tip off. So uh, overall, there's not much negatives I have from the trip. And the fact, again, that they did this without Deshaun Schwartz is a real positive for both that trip. And I think going forward, especially given some of the COVID issues that have happened this week, which we're going to cover in a second, I do want to make one more note before we we get on from this trip is both Evan Batty and Dallas Walton had kind of an up and down uh, first two games. Walton looks really good. Uh, he looks like he's scoring the ball well. He seems to be confident when he's on the floor. He's getting into foul issues. Uh, Evan Batty's having some foul issues as always. Um, and he just didn't generally have, have a two good games. Um, I think that's going to be the constant worry of this season is those two being on the bench in foul trouble or one having a bad game because that's going to completely sink the Buffaloes if that's happening. Well, I thought, I thought Dallas struggled a little bit in the second game. He didn't look like the Dallas Walton we're used to. Seeing and maybe that's just because um, because of, of what was going on with the rest of the game. But I didn't really think that he took over down low like he did against. Maybe I'm remembering his Arizona game from two years ago. But that's <laughs> that's that's what I expect to see from Dallas when I'll be like, okay, he's fully recovered, he's ready to go, and I just didn't see that from him. Yeah, he hit some of those shots against South Dakota, but Kansas State definitely seemed. Um, to stifle him a little bit. I, and it might just be what Kansas State was offering defensively. Um, Kansas State obviously has better big men than a team like South Dakota is going to. I, I'm less worried about him than I am about Evan Batty because Dallas Walton can play a role, play a defensive and rebounding role. We don't need him to score the basketball. But Evan Batty, on the other hand, he's going to have to help offensively. And it just didn't seem like he was himself. Is anybody worried that maybe he's a better player with fans? Is that going to be something we're going to be talking about throughout this season? Because he does love to feed off the crowd. You know, I, the only guy I asked about fans in the preseason was Evan Batty. I guess I asked Evan and Dallas because it was the same day. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm a little worried, uh, actually, about that. I didn't think of it that way. But, uh, 
I, I mean, he brings he brings that intensity in practice too. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe maybe. If, Maybe it is, but I, I think with Evan, you'll see him start to progress once he gels with the team because Evan is a guy that really does feed off of his teammates and he's missing the people he knows, right? He's missing Lucas Seward. He's missing um, Deshaun Schwartz. He's missing um, uh, Gerard, uh, who, who was it? Um, the, the, Keyshawn Bartholomew, yeah, Bartholomew, and then they were missing yeah. one other guy the in the Silva. second game. De Silva, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, the point I'm making is from last year to this year. I don't know if this team has had the time to gel yet. That, and Batty's that, one of the guys that's role has changed the most significantly right. out yeah. of everybody's. Uh, but yet another guy, uh, I, and Chase and I were really happy to see him, was uh, Luke O'Brien play. Uh, mm-hmm. He looked good for some stretches of the second game. Uh, and Dom Cliff... Da, uh, Neek Clifford, whatever he's going by now, Dominique. I'm always going to call him Dominique. But you're Neek thinking Clifford, of Dom Collier, yeah, right. It's the, that that's going to really screw with me now. Uh, <laughs> Neek Neek Clifford, there it very is. Solid. <laughs> Neek Collier, um, but like overall, just a lot of the depth stepping up. A lot of the young guys, like I, I just I I, were, I was getting texts from a couple boosters during the the, the trip, and it was just like. This is this isn't even the good recruiting class of the two we have coming in. Holy shit, Tad's going to be loaded for years. And then I'm starting to get texts like "Sweet 16" this year? Question mark. Like, yeah. like it was it was nonstop hype those two games. Like it was nonstop hype. Uh, I'm really disappointed that Arizona game didn't happen because I wanted to catch Arizona early. And it would have sucked though without Deshaun, and it wouldn't have been a, a true test. But I kind of look at it like this: This happens all the time in the NHLs. Chase will tell you. Uh, you go on a back-to-back to face a really, really good team on the road. Like, so like, let's say it was the Avs and they had to face, you know, the stars who they just lost to in the playoffs, but they were facing, you know, the jets at home tonight. And then they played the stars tomorrow in Dallas tomorrow. And the Avs will just be like, well, this is a tough situation for us. Let's just throw our backup goalie in there. If we win, we say we won on the road on a back-to-back with our backup goalie. If we lost, it was our backup goalie on a back-to-back. Like, who cares? You know, that's how I felt about that Arizona game, Chase, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think – well, I, I was impressed with a couple of the true freshmen. I think a couple of them were swimming a little bit. But we've mentioned it a lot in preseason. These guys didn't get to practice as much um, as freshmen normally get to. They weren't going to be as comfortable with this team as we might be used to with some freshmen uh, De Silva played a lot in that first game. He, he looked a little bit lost. I think Neek did, did similar things in that second game. Luke may be a little bit better. Um, I think if he would have made a couple shots, uh, we would have had a different perspective about that. Cause he had a couple of open looks and we've seen him make those uh, shots quite a few times in high school. So I wouldn't have been surprised if they fell, but yeah, I think they're going to keep on getting better. And, and there's one really, really good one and, and three guys that are going to keep developing. So the Arizona game, which I was kind of trying to well, yeah, trying to transition, transition to. I want to talk about the freshmen. Really quick. It's fine. They're exciting. Everyone wants to hear about the freshmen, hey. so that's not going to lose any engagement. Go ahead, Vinay. You know, you know a big uh, personnel change we'll have before the Arizona game? Scott Wilkie will be back. Oh. oh. That's good to know. I like <laughs> or, or the Washington breaking, State breaking game. Sorry. Breaking news from Vinay. No, it's not breaking news. It's, it's Okay, good. Good. I missed, I kind of missed hearing Scott. I was listening to Mark in my ears, uh, the first two games. Uh, yeah, he's so good. 
Yeah, he is. Hats off to Mark, by the way, driving to Manhattan and then driving back (laughs) to Boulder overnight to call two games. Like, that's some Jake Shapiro, like, crazy shit. Like, I thought I was the only play-by-play guy that would do that crazy shit because I, like, just – um, don't get paid and I get passionate about these types of things. So I got to hustle and prove it. Mark's at the top of the game. Just doing yeah. this shit. He's been like, doing this like, for 30 years and he's driving overnight. <laughs> he ain't got nothing to prove. Like, like, God damn it. Like, that's my guy. Like he's one of my, he's one of the biggest mentors for all three of us. Yeah. Like, you know, Mark's been nothing but good to all three of us, but you know, like, like, I love seeing that from my guy. Like, that's my leader right there. Like, that's when McKinley does some extra it, stuff at practice. Yeah, he was all the way at the top. He was at the he was on the concourse in Manhattan he, calling the game by himself. And it's not like he gets to talk to anyone either because no. he can't interact with the football or basketball because he's one of the only people, you know, interacting with both. So he's got to be like very quarantined. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hell yeah, Mark. Uh, but Scott yeah, so Wilkie. He, Scott Wilkie. Scott so did not, not make the to, trip. So no one went to Arizona. No one went to Arizona on Wednesday. That game gets rescheduled for December 28th, which is going to come right before the USC and UCLA trip, um, as well as right after the Vegas trip, which right now is Grand Canyon in Washington. But given what we've seen in college basketball, with the Buffs being in Vegas for a few days, I would not be surprised if the Buffaloes end up picking up a game or two. The way things have gone. And and Chase, uh, you tell me, because I know you've been sitting on your couch watching college basketball nonstop. Some of these games are coming together at 1 o'clock in the morning, the night of. Some of these games are coming together 48 hours in advance. And they're like two top 10 teams going at it. Like, this is ridiculous. And it's fun. Like, I'll, like, check my phone every day. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, the number 10 teams playing the number three team. And then I'll, like, Google, when did this game come together? Oh, it came together yesterday. Yeah, uh, the other night you had West Virginia playing Gonzaga, which was a top 10 matchup, a really, really good game. And Mark Few said after the game that Bob Huggins texted him and they figured that game out in about 15 minutes. Um, and, and they played it in Connecticut. They had Bubbleville going on up there, uh, Mohegan Sun. And some teams are just flying in over there and starting to schedule games. Arizona State did it last week. Um, they just flew to Connecticut and said, we're, we're going to find some games. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a little bubbleville in Vegas and hopefully schedule a couple more. I know they added mines, but I'm sure they want to add a, an actual D1 program um, or, or a really good team. I'd love to see CU play one of those top 25 teams if they can schedule those. Um, yeah, how long good. after CSU got canceled do you think it took to get mines scheduled? Probably five minutes. Uh, it, it was probably three text messages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, I wonder. I mean, people make such a big day. football. They schedule these games 10 years in advance. Um, yet you could schedule CU San Diego state in one day. I, I love what Mark few, I believe had to say in Scott Van Pelt the other night where he was just like, we have no NBA to compete with. All these top 10 games are amazing for college basketball. Mm-hmm. Like we're just putting college basketball on this stage, you know, all the coaches are excited. We get this for our players. And I think few went on to say something along the lines of like, we had Spokane. We were going to be at home basically for the first two rounds with a great team. And all our kids got that ripped away from us. I'm going to play as many big games as I can this year. 
And I would love to have the Buffaloes, you know, just schedule one or two more games, you know, if they get out to Vegas early or stay late. The problem is that Arizona game is looming, and I know Tad's not going to want to uh, go into that game just a little banged up or anything like that. So uh, especially with Arizona preceding USC and UCLA on the road within a few days. So that's going to be a ridiculous week of Buffs basketball. Uh, mine should be a fun one. I love it when the Buffs play in state competition. Obviously, it's, it should be a win, but it's really good for for minds. And one of my favorite things about Tad Boyle, like there's, you know, it's a litany of things. The list is uh, <laughs> as long as the the city of Denver is high. Like it's so long. But one of my favorite things about Tad Boyle is he will do absolutely anything to grow programs in Colorado that may one day even compete with him, uh, you know, whether it's Western state or mines or Northern Colorado or, you know, Metro state, he wants to do whatever he can, as long as it doesn't really impact the Buffaloes. Hey, get them on the schedule, get them up to Boulder. Um, can we play some sort of MTE, uh, you know, multi-tournament event with these Colorado schools, stuff like that. That is so good for the health of basketball in the state. And Tad is so conscious of, how everything the biggest college basketball program does in the state impacts the rest of the basketball in the state. And I love that about Tad Boyle. And it's something that I don't think a lot of coaches, especially, you know, just passing through in colleges have. And that to me is always why I never thought Tad would leave for Kansas or anything like that, because he was so he's so in on the ground level of basketball in Colorado. And the one thing he loves about the School of Mines, I think he really likes playing them because he says that they're a well-coached team. He loves their coach. He loves their players. He loves their program. And I don't think it's a bad test for Colorado to play against them, especially with such a young team. I know Vinay loves his engineers, so I, I'm not even sure who he's going to be rooting for. <laughs> Where did I end up going? <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, you're an aerospace guy. If you're an aerospace guy, don't and shoot mines over Colorado. That's probably a pretty poor decision. But if you're in any <laughs> other engineering, I think. Honestly, though, I hadn't even heard of mines before uh, before college, just because you know. Well, yeah, you're Virginia. In, yeah. But uh, yeah, all all of my smart friends that ended up at least looking at mines, and a few of them went to mines. It, it's a very good school, and obviously very good players, and. Um, I, I love Jake's point about just playing these Colorado teams. There's not many coaches that are willing to schedule as many um, as even Tad put on the schedule this year that they'll play UNC as well. Obviously, they wanted to play CSU. Um, I know they're in talks with DU. That didn't work out because DU's been dealing with some of their own COVID problems. Um, but keep playing local. I, I, there are coaches at big-time programs that are scared to play local because they know um, that they're going to play pretty pissed off. And I know Tad's a little bit scared to play local because he knows that he shunned a lot of these kids um, during recruiting, but he's not afraid. Yeah. And one of the things that, that was funny to me is, you know, when he was talking about Rodney and Rodney going to DU, he's like, you know, uh, I, I don't want to coach against Rodney. I love Rodney. You know, he's, he's an important part of my life, but if Rodney needs to come play us in Boulder for his program, We'll do it. It's going to hurt me, but we'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was funny when they scheduled DU a couple of years back, and that was the case. Um, you, let's look at CU's next opponent, which is going to be tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be the first CU game I've seen in person this year. I'll be up in Boulder for Buff Stampede. 
And uh, I think, okay, so I've covered, I think, three Rapids home games, I want to say, this this summer. Uh, so besides that, that would be the, the first uh, sporting event I've been to since the last time they played Washington State, which was in <laughs> Vegas which, with Chase, which is – this is that that Washington State game is going to be the Oregon State game of uh, the Oregon State football 2017 Mike McIntyre y'all just got me fired uh, game of the basketball team it it was just such a disaster that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to like get it out of my mind and out of my breath if I'm talking about CU hoops for an hour um, but this is the first time they're playing Washington State since that event uh, Washington State uh, brings back a lot of guys I think right like they've got a couple guys that they've brought back but not their top guys um their coach there I seem to like a lot uh I don't I haven't checked in on them yet uh this game kind of snuck up on me because I didn't think it was going to happen but it is happening we have no idea who's going to be active for the buffs I also don't know if the buffs in the Pac-12 are following the 10-day quarantine that the CDC just instituted instead of the 14-day quarantine that was priorly instituted uh so I have no idea who's going to be playing basketball tomorrow, but I am going to be there. So that'll be fun. Well, they'll be wearing black and gold. They'll be wearing red and silver. So there you go. Go ahead, guys. There's a name that uh, Denver basketball fans might, uh, might remember, right? On the, uh, or not on the, um, well, basketball fans, there's DJ Rodman, DJ Rodman. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, I think pretty good though. Yeah. Uh, there used to be a name he graduated last year um, but they had an Overland kid on their roster last year um, from Overland High School a Denver kid uh, I this roster I'm, I'm taking a look at it right now there are definitely some names that I recognize like Isaac Botton um, who I think is their best player right now um, who's playing the best what's up with Washington State Athletics recruiting Colorado like what is that like <laughs> they're doing that in football too yeah yeah they do a really good job recruiting Colorado football I'm not Exactly. Sure. Uh, in that case, at least I, I think he was a Juco transfer. So, um, it wasn't, well, they, got, they, well, they have the running back. Yeah, no the, football, football. They're in the state. They're recruiting the hell out of right. the state. But, uh, yeah, with the basketball team, I, I know at least for that case, he, he was a Juco guy, but yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of a similar guys from Colorado aren't scared to go to Pullman, um, because of the weather. Like, you know, you're going to get shit weather in Pullman, but, uh, it can't be, you're used to the snow and all of that. So maybe that has a reason it's, it's tough for Washington state to recruit like California kids and stuff like that. Um, at least Southern California kids. So this team is a really good defensive team. I think they're ranked pretty highly on Ken Palm and defense. They gave up 52 to Texas Southern, who's probably the favorite to win the swag. Um, and they gave up 55 to Oregon state the other night. That game was 59, 55. I believe Oregon state was the favorite. Um, so they played really well in that one. Uh, I think we we kind of know what to expect because we saw them shut down this CU team uh, just a few months ago. And and it's mostly the same guys that they're obviously missing. Uh, Ellaby, who ended up in the NBA draft, and, and they added a couple more guys. But I, I don't know. This should be a team that CU should be able to handle. But it'll be an interesting offensive test for CU because of how good Washington State has been playing defensively. You think Tattle get these guys fired up after what happened in the Pac-12 tournament? Yeah, the good thing is a lot of the guys that were on that team are are back on on that CU team are back on the team now. They remember it wasn't that long ago. 
Um, yeah, McKinley's going to come back with it. McKinley's going to come back with his balls on fire for this game, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> because they remember that game too. Uh, Kyle Smith has this team 3-0, like you said, Chase. They just beat Oregon State 59-55 on Wednesday. Uh, so they actually played their Pac-12 opener, unlike the Buffaloes. That game was in Pullman. Uh, and Oregon State isn't that great, but they did beat a Pac-12 opponent. And then they uh, they barely snuck out against Eastern Washington in Pullman. And uh, they beat Texas, Texas Southern barely in Pullman. So they're winning a lot of close games. Uh, mm-hmm. This is their first road game uh, for Kyle Smith and his team. As you said, Chase, they're they're a top 100 defensive team in the country by Ken Palm. And uh, they're someone the Buffs should be able to handle, especially at home. I haven't seen the line on this game, and I'm sure the line's going to look really weird because we don't know who's playing in the game. But if everything was, was, was normal, I would say the Buffs are probably minus 7 or minus 8 in this game. Like, this is, this, this is a game the Buffaloes should win uh, out of their – their conference home schedule. This probably is one of the easiest games. So, uh, but you know, that being said every year, the buffs seem to have one slip up at home. Hopefully it's not the home opener. And generally the home opener, the Buffaloes have come really, really well. Uh, and I think not only the fact that it's Washington state, but the way the messaging has been internally where it's, you know, nothing's a given, take nothing for granted this season and the Buffaloes just lost one game at Arizona and they're going to be without somebody tomorrow because of COVID issues. And they were without people in Manhattan. I think that the buffs aren't going to be overlooking this game in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. If you go off of Ken Palm, it is, it's their easiest conference game um, period home or away, just off of their percentage chance of winning. Um, Ken Palm has to you winning that game by 11 Ken Palm tends to be pretty close to the line. So I guess that that spread's going to be around 10 or so. Um, so if ZU plays really well, they win it by double digits. If they play okay, they win it by single digits. And if they play really bad, um, I think that's how they lose this game. And by my math, Deshaun Schwartz won't be back, right, for Sunday. I think yeah, by my math, that, either. Yeah. I don't want to say that because I don't know as the reporter, yeah. uh, but, uh, and, and they've been really snug about who is and who isn't. Um, but the math on it indicates that he would not be back. Yeah. The math on it also indicates that Bartholomew or De Silva, as long as they didn't test positive would be back, but I'm assuming one of them tested positive and that caused the Arizona cancellation. I don't know these things. Yeah, um, those are all again, good assumptions based off of what is public has been publicly available. Right. I, I just really don't like to do that as a mm-hmm. reporter, but it's just we're living in 2020. We're all working on this yeah. together. This is all uh, speculation. And, uh, this is all speculation. Everything <laughs> in 2020 is speculation. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of all I got on the basketball team as of now. Um, I do want to check in again soon. Uh Colorado basketball roster schedule. Sorry, I'm Googling right now because they, they have another game coming up here soon, which is going to be the eighth. So on Tuesday, they're taking on Mines, and then they've got a couple games off uh, ahead of Northern Colorado. So we're either going to talk to you right before that Mines game or right after it. Um, and the Buffalo should be 4-0 at that point after that Mines game. Um, do you guys have anything to add about anything you've seen with the buffs or anything you've seen across the country or how this COVID stuff has played out? Because, uh, again, it's been an absolute whirlwind. Uh, and I'm just happy that as of now I am getting in my car 
and driving from Denver to Boulder to watch the Buffs play. That'll be the first time I've done that ever, by the way. So I'm really <laughs> glad there's not fans because I lived in Boulder until this year. Yeah, especially, I don't know what the weather's like, but especially when the weather's bad, that can be a terrible drive. Oh, it's 70 degrees. It's going to be 60 oh, degrees okay. tomorrow, Chase. I got my car washed yesterday. Ooh, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, well, I would like to see Tad call Mark Pugh and see if we can schedule a game. That would be a ton of fun. But um, do you want me to touch on maybe the Pac-12 in general just because I, I yeah. have been yeah. watching? Yeah, go ahead. What have you seen? Yeah. Um, so I, I think the Pac-12 doesn't have a top team. this year. There's not a team that I'm completely sold on. Um, as a really, really good team, a, a surefire favorite to win the conference. I thought it might be UCLA. Obviously, they haven't gotten off to a great start. ASU has not looked good in, in I think, any other game so far. Uh, they played okay against Villanova. Obviously, Remy Martin was completely non-existent in that game, um, which kind of just leads me to believe that if he can't show up in big games, then I, I don't know if I can trust that team to make a deep run. Uh, Oregon looked terrible the other night. They lost to Missouri, and it wasn't really close. I saw Oregon against Missouri in a neutral site, minus four, and I'm like, that is easy money. Mm -hmm. I didn't bet on it, but they, they – I mean, forget covering. Mizzou was minus four. They, they wouldn't have caught – like, that mm -hmm. was a disaster for Oregon. Um, I mean, I've never been a big Dana Altman guy. No one associated with Colorado's program is. Um, but – I mean, like, I just don't understand how you have that level of recruiting and you suck that bad. But I guess Andy Enfield at USC is also doing that because that's another team I think you were going to hint on. They don't look good either. Yeah. So to touch on Oregon real quick, they have a bunch of tall, lanky dudes, athletic dudes. They kind of look like Kentucky where they have a bunch of lanky dudes that don't really understand how to play defense. Kentucky plays better defense um, and they can't shoot the ball at all. I know uh, Will Richardson has been out. I think he's out for the next three, four weeks. So that's obviously going to help Oregon shooting when he comes back. But that roster right now, there's nobody um, that you can trust to score the basketball. The, the, the transfer from Rutgers looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did look – he started scoring late in that game because they, they did pull a little bit of a comeback in that game, but it was so insurmountable um, that they couldn't completely pull it off. It, it just looked like they're not good at all defensively. They gave up, what, 80-something points. It was already 40-something in the first half. Um, and when you have that type of athleticism on your team, it, it, to me it's kind of un unacceptable because that should be a really good defensive team. And then to touch on USC real fast, um, they looked really good against BYU. They shot the ball really well, um, absolutely dominated BYU for that entire game. But the other few games that they've played, they haven't looked good at all. They lost um, last night. And they almost lost to Cal Baptist. They ended up pulling that one out in overtime. So they haven't looked very good. Uh, they're just not a team. I mean, we could keep on going down the list. That just there's hasn't been a team that has stood out. We haven't really gotten to see Arizona. They played one game right. against a, a bad competition. So I, and I know nothing about Arizona because they haven't. I mean, they play game. Eastern Washington tomorrow. They play Northern Arizona on Monday. Uh, they're at. California State Bakersfield on Wednesday or at home against them. They have New Mexico State, then California Baptist. We're not going to know anything until they play Stanford on the 19th. Uh, Stanford Stanford actually looks pretty solid. Uh, yeah, their defense has looked really good. Um, but, yeah, we're not going to know anything about Arizona until the 19th. Stanford looks really solid, I should say, but I don't think they're going to win the conference. They look good, but, I mean, good for Stanford, not good for, you know, the conference.
Yeah, they looked really good in their first game um, in Asheville in the Maui Invitational, and then they kind of looked just okay in the next couple. Uh, they have that freshman, uh, Zaire Williams, who has looked okay. Uh, he looked really good in the opener when they were playing really good. He, he looks like he can shoot the ball. Um, but other than that, I don't know. We'll see. They're a good defensive team, so they're always scary, but they don't look like a team that's going to run away with Pac-12. Well, the good news is Asheville's tourism scene is picking up, which is good news for the Colorado Rockies <laughs> because the Asheville tourists are part of the Colorado Rockies farm system. Go. And so the Maui Invitational being in Asheville, it might seem weird, but Asheville's actually a really popular travel destination. It's yeah, actually it's on my list. Great town. I've been. Sweet town. Yeah. It's, it's the boulder of the Appalachians is what yeah. I've heard. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's Chase Howell. Which means Bill uh, Walton loves it, and he called a, a, he called most of those games, and it was pretty funny to hey, hear him talk about I got my dead hoodie on, man. Let's <laughs> go. Let's get rolling, me and Jerry. Uh, that's Chase Howell. Uh, Vinay Simlot has also joined us, so thank you to the both of them. Uh, I am Jake Shapiro. Catch all of our content on Buff Stampede. Uh, you can catch these guys recapping the Arizona football game after that happens on and Saturday. Before. We'll see you on Facebook Live. Wait, what time's that game? It's at uh, 5 p.m. Mountain. 5 p.m. God damn it. So I'm going to miss it while I'm coming back from the back. Okay. So no one's going to – no, no one. Well, um, that's what I did. That's what I did uh, last Saturday because I was coming back from uh, uh, the Cherry Creek football game. By the way, just – you know, because this is the podcast for nerds that nerd out about Colorado athletics – the best football game in the States taking place Saturday, Cherry Creek Valor. I've been watching these two teams all year because I've been covering high school football. It's going to be so good. You know, like, so, you know, there's 44 starters on both teams, but there's really only about 32, 33 because, you know, a lot of guys play both ways. Out of those 33-ish guys, probably 25 of them are D1 guys. Like, this is a college all-star game. This is going to be ridiculous. Um, so I don't know how you're going to be able to watch this game. It's happening in Pueblo. Uh, but Valor Cherry Creek on Saturday is going to be better than Colorado, Arizona. It's going to be so <laughs> fun to watch. Uh, so make sure you check Colorado that out. High school, high school football. I don't know if high school football has been in a better spot than it is right now. So. Like, I, like, I'm not even kidding you. Cherry Creek looked better on Saturday than the Broncos did Sunday. Like, I'm not like, that's not like, it's not like, oh, like, I'm swear to God. Like, that's like, I watched both of those teams play. Uh, and, that, and that was the situation. Oh, and, and I'll throw this little nugget in because only 20 people are going to listen to this. And this is the correct 20 people. Uh, I got, a, I had a source from the Broncos. I was at the Valor, uh, or the Cherry Creek game on Saturday, finding out about all the, uh, the Broncos quarterback stuff, uh, before it hit the, hit the wire. And, uh, my buddy who works over there texted me a video of Phil Lindsay, uh, taking snaps and practice and his cadence. Um, and that's why I sent that tweet. Um, but, uh, you've never seen anything funnier than Phil Lindsay being told to do a silent count and then Phil Lindsay not doing a silent count and everyone (laughs) laughing. Uh, it was unbelievably great. Uh, so all that stuff out of the way, but yeah, these guys will have you covered on the Colorado, Arizona football game. Uh, Adam will have you covered writing wise. No one's going to be reading my basketball recap, but if you do, thank you so much. You're paying my bills. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we will see you very quick, soon on the Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast. Yes, Chase. Before we wrap up this podcast, I know, Benet, have you been keeping an eye on that team? They look like they're playing pretty good basketball right now. They, I demolished, saw they demolished Air Force on Saturday. 
I don't know who they're playing next, but it, it, it wasn't even close. They're playing pretty good basketball. And ESPN had them, I think, just on the bubble for yeah. the tournament yeah. right now. So on the hey, yeah, Payton might have a tournament. I hear team. this every year. I've got to see oh, it. Right, I'm ready. I've, I'm driving the hype train. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Hype train, Colorado Buffaloes. You know things are going well when the basketball team's undefeated, the football team's undefeated. We're hyping up women's basketball. It's nonstop Hypeville in Boulder, Colorado, but none of us can go to the games, so bummer. Uh, but eventually the restaurants and bars will open back up, so we will see you all in mass outside on the patio at Blake Street to watch our Buffaloes do their shit. So let's go. Uh, we will talk to you very soon. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will catch you and catch all of our content on buffstampede.com. Thank you. Positive, test negative.